Are you looking to pursue excellence and take your success to the next level? You're in the right place. Welcome to Excellence Mindset with your host, Ryan James Miller. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of the Excellence Mindset podcast. I've uh, been having a lot of fun getting opportunities to chat and interview with so many different people of different backgrounds and people that I've been close to, uh, been friends with, or, or in a good business relationship with for a significant amount of time. Other people that I've just kind of freshly come into contact with. And uh, what's always been exciting is there's just people from all different domains of life, and yet uh, we seem to be uh, detecting very similar threads in how people are uh, producing success for themselves, or producing great lives for themselves. And uh, so that just happens to be the case for uh, the gentleman that I have sitting across the table from me today. Uh, Dave Welch is the founder and chief image officer of Bespoke <laughs> Clothing. Uh, I am a very proud and happy customer. And so I'm excited to dig into it today. Dave, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> yeah, this is a great. Awesome, man. And uh, you can't see this. I should be recording video because you always have <laughs> the most legit clothes on. Oh, and today yeah. is no exception. Oh, I mean, that is just, yeah. I need that blazer. Okay. Do we call it a blazer? Yeah. Sport coat. Sport coat, blazer. Yeah. Is blazer like the old school? Blazer was a term that actually they, if I remember right, uh, actually sport coat, the word sport coat came from back in the day, people would wear what's called a matching um, pant. And jacket would be a suit. Okay. Right. And early days, they created, uh, they would call a sport coat an odd jacket because it wasn't the same pattern ah. as your pants. Then there were specific universities where they might wear a specific jacket to school and that came, or to sporting events, and that became a sport coat. So some of the words have kind of evolved. Um, I'll get back to you on the definition of blazer. That's, that could be a really cool. Um, and then if any of your listeners have that definition, I'm sure I could go to Wikipedia and find that out. Yeah. <laughs> if I, I would Google it, but, yeah, uh, Google but it, everyone yeah. would hear me pounding on the keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we, we started to get into the conversation, but why don't you yep. just share a little bit about sure. who you are, what you do personally, professionally, you got it free. You got it. Um, again, my name is Dave Welch. Um, I am the proud, um, husband of a beautiful wife named Kim. Got two great kids, 13 and 11. Uh, Taylor's 13, Macy's 11. <clears throat> and uh, we live here in Yorba Linda. And um, I own a company called Bespoke. And Bespoke um, is a company that creates custom clothing uh, for men. And we're actually soon to be launching into the women's uh, space. Um, our niche is actually to take measurements, uh, work as kind of an image consultant with our clients uh, to really draw down deep to find out who they are, what is their style, um, why are they wearing clothes uh, anyway, meaning like who are you calling on, what images do you want to share with your uh, prospects, your clients. Um, and we take all that information and make the clothes for you to fit your body and to fit your style, your individual styles. Every client's different. You know, we'll have clients that are very conservative and they want to, maybe they don't want their clothes to say too much more than that they look great. And then we have other clients that are very, um, 
um, expressive. Maybe they're designers, they're interior decorators, they're artists. I have an artist that wears really crazy, bold uh, colors because that's his life and yeah. it communicates who he is. And so it's a really fun business because everybody's different. And what's really different about Bespoke is is that let's say you walked into uh, a great store like John Varvados or you walk into Giorgio Armani or whatever, you're really getting their interpretation of what you should wear. And what's different about Bespoke is, is we draw out of each person what is what they should be wearing and then make it for them. So it's different. When you come into Bespoke, our job is to make clothes that uh, enhance your life, enhance your business, um, and so that's part of our process is kind of getting to know the client and really designing a wardrobe that, um, helps them take their business, their personal life to the next level. So it's different than walking into a retailer store. You just sold me all over again. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to go back down there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it, it's interesting because as you say all of that, I mean, you know, I said, I've been a customer, uh, bought a couple of suits and, you guys do such an amazing job of making, I'll just say you did such an amazing job of making me feel Thanks. so good. Like, I mean, I remember when I got the first suit, um, I put it on, I think it was before even like the, the final, uh, tailoring mm -hmm. was done. Second fitting. Yeah. And Oh my gosh. I mean, I was just like, I could crush the world right <laughs> now. Right. Like you just feel right. so good. And, and then, you know, uh, the second one I think was just even more, more bold. And, mm -hmm. um, so I just, I love, love, love that. And so let, I, I'm interested to find out. So I know that well, what's crazy about what you just said, and I don't want to lose it because what you said yeah. is what I determined early on in my career is that was the feeling that is the product of my product. If you, so yes. I had sat at, or probably listened to an old classic motivational guy by the name of Zig Ziglar. Oh yeah. And he was doing a talk <clears throat> about really trying to determine what is the product of your product. Yes. And he used this analogy and said, Hey, when you go into a hardware store and you're buying a drill bit, you know, what are you buying? And they, people were describing it and they're saying, I need a three eighths drill bit. And he goes, no, no, what you really need is you need the hole. Yes. So the drill bit is just a conduit to getting you the hole. And it took me a while to really figure out what is it that I, cause we don't sell clothing, right? Like that's our, that's our conduit. But what we really sell is exactly what you had shared. The feeling of putting on a garment and feeling that you could tackle the world yeah, or the feeling that you could, um, you have a big presentation or, you know, we're doing a ton of weddings right now. So you're going to stand on the, the biggest day of your life and, and you're going to know you look amazing um, because it was custom made for you. And that we also designed a garment that speaks to who you are. But I tell people all the time, we don't sell suits. We don't sell clothes. We sell confidence. We sell the feeling of the room. When you walk in, you feel like you own it. And so um, I, it, I absolutely love that. And it's interesting. I'm a huge Zig Ziglar fan and been through a couple of trainings and I never remember that. Story, I'm hoping but, he was the one that said that. Yeah, but, no, but I mean, but it's, it's, yeah. it seems like, you know, it, it, that was the right thing and, uh, or that would have been attributed to him. And what's so interesting. And I hope people listening here, like that may be the biggest thing for people right now, right? Like it is critical that 
that business owners, that salespeople understand. Like I, I remember uh, I spent some time coaching and consulting in the um, uh, real estate space. And I would always tell them like, you are not selling a house. Mm-hmm. You are selling protection and security. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're selling an experience. Maybe you're selling just somebody's claim to success, right? Like this is my stamp of I've won because I bought my own home, mm-hmm. right? And so I love that you say that. Mm-hmm. And again, it just it, it just turns right back around. Like that's exactly what you do. So I get that, you know, you had kind of this like moment of epiphany, let's just say, mm-hmm. you know, hearing, you know, hopefully it was Zig Ziglar that said that. The light bulb went on. Yeah. yeah. And and then it took some time to bake out. But there had to be something in you because I know you've been in the industry far before you started your own company. Mm-hmm. And so what, like, why that? Like, why? Because because people could, could sell uh, custom clothing, I'll say. And want to produce a different result, and that and that's kind of their like mm-hmm. why within that, right? Maybe not our like deep deep centered mm-hmm. why, but why is that so important for you? I mean, is that something that was birthed early on? Or? I mean, how did I get into the clothing space? Yeah, like um, you know, it's funny. It took some time to try to figure that out. Um, I had always had an interest in clothing. I think where that interest kind of came from is I grew up in a single uh, mom household. Uh, my mom didn't want to be divorced, but ended up being divorced because of you know bad marriage and had no education and basically had to go out and get a job. And because she had no skills and unfortunately didn't have a ton of confidence in herself um, because she was dyslexic. And back in the 30s and 40s when she went to school, dyslexia wasn't a word. I don't think even people, you know, so they just thought she was dumb. And I know your uh, podcast talks about mindset and her mindset for years and years was that she was dumb and that she couldn't learn anything. And it really affected her. And I would talk to her all the time and go, mom, you got, you know, let's rewrite that story in your head. And uh, she had a hard time doing that, but she could never get a job greater than minimum wage because of she didn't have a lot of skills. Um, And I was the only child. I was adopted. Uh, it's a crazy story about finding my birth parents. This happened later, but I was adopted and she was my adopted mom. Wow. And, um, but challenges she didn't have any money when it came time to buy clothes for back to school. And I remember going into specific stores and just not having the money to buy what all the cool kids wore. I might date myself, but one of the cool <laughs> things that I always wanted were these cool OP shorts. And it was right when Vans came out and they had the cool shoes. And, you know, I was stuck with Tough Skins and another brand that probably dates me. But, um, but all these things that, you know, I was always kind of late to the party yeah. uh, with all the fashionable things. That, and, and, you know, any kid in middle school and junior high, or we called it junior high, and then high school, you know, that's a big uh, time in your life when you want to be accepted. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I really think coming out of that, um, I always kind of had an interest in clothing. I didn't know specifically that I would be in the custom clothing space. Um, but now looking back, that was probably just an internal, you know, uh, compass of driving me to this because, you know, I really feel like now 
um, you know, I can wear stylish clothes, obviously, as part of my business. And yeah. I'm now finally getting what I didn't have yeah. um, as a child. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Huh? About yeah. You. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, that, that's, that's awesome on so many levels. And again, like, from what I know of you, it just makes so much sense. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I remember, and um, I, I want to be careful about how I say this, but I, I remember coming to you when I wanted, you know, my first suit and mm-hmm. I couldn't afford, you know, mm-hmm. or I, I couldn't afford a, a custom suit at all, right, mm-hmm. that is what I sure. thought. Um, obviously, I think that, and it's helpful for people to know that, you know, I, I think that you produce a much more affordable option for a lot of people, mm-hmm. but, and I'm not going to name names, but not mm-hmm. a lot of the crap that's, that's mm-hmm. created in the custom space either. But you, you had at least the, I, the feeling I got as a customer was you had just as much concern for getting me into something that would make mm-hmm. me feel really good and look mm-hmm. good as you did for maybe more so than you did about just getting a customer. And so you were sure. so gracious and flexible uh, with that. Um, so I love that. I love that because, you know, we all get into business for different reasons. Um, but when we get into business, uh, that has, uh, is founded or grounded in something very deep inside of us, mm-hmm. it just produces such a better result mm-hmm. for us, but also for the people that we serve. Sure. And it's a shame when people get into business mm-hmm. for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, it's funny, you know, I've been through many financial cycles being a clothier. (laughs) So um, I remember when the dot-com rise happened and people were kind of cutting their tie. This is back when everyone wore suits to the office. So it was a great marketplace for us. And then the dot-com explosion back then, like people were like, oh my gosh, I'm not, I don't need to wear suits anymore. I'm cutting my ties. I'm bringing my dog to work. You know, I'm wearing <laughs> whatever I want to wear now. Yeah. And, uh, and then that collapsed. Right. And then, um, but what I really have always really enjoyed about the business, um, was just help, helping people feel great. And it was, how many people can I, there's kind of a joke I always say is like, my mission is to make the world a better place, one better dressed man at a time. And now I have to my add, add a woman to that. Um, but that's kind of been a little guiding, little little short little snippet in my head of a guiding mission. And I appreciate your thoughts of, of that. We want to have a brand that's very genuine, um, that's very um, client focused first. We're not all about making a sale. Yeah. Um, you can get that in other locations and, and our, because we spend so much time trying to get to know the client and who they are, it's a, it's a relationship yeah. and uh, we're not perfect all the time, but we really strive for those kind of connections. So I'm really thankful that you felt, yeah. um, that we weren't, you know, and also we weren't trying to sell you the most expensive, right. you know, reality is, is custom clothing over with technology and kind of, uh, systems is become more attainable than yeah. it ever has been. Yeah. It's yeah. not just set aside for, you know, CEOs and, and high powered, you know, politicians and things like that. Like it used to be it yeah. really most people can, can benefit from it. Yeah. Well, and, and again, like I, I don't want to just hound on the promotion too much, <laughs> but uh, you know, I think that where, where a lot of it is lost in, in, when people are going out 
I think when people are going out to shop for custom clothing, there's, there's two places. There's like the quote unquote high end. Mm -hmm. It's, it's either I have a ton of money and I can mm -hmm. afford it or I can't, or I go the, I don't want to say cheap, but definitely the mm -hmm. inexpensive route. Mm -hmm. The problem I think with the affordable inexpensive option for a lot of people is they miss out on what I feel is one of the most, um, one of the best pieces and it's the experience we talked about it you know sure. uh, offline before um before we started and i think for me again as you're talking about you're not selling a suit you're producing some outcome for that person um I, it's got it starts in that experience mm -hmm. of getting fit and the detail that goes in and uh having a drink if i want one because mm -hmm. there's you know a great bar you know just feeling like mm -hmm. you know there it's it's the experience right i'm getting it all mm -hmm. i feel like i'm 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 about to drop 10 grand on something right. and uh, and maybe people pr people probably do but um that's awesome well the people talk about especially in today's economy that you know brick and mortar is dead and the rise of buying online and the internet. And I believe that's true in a lot of industries. Yeah. Um, you know, Amazon's done that with just buying books. And, and, but what I realized is, uh, and there's a great book, um, I'm sure people have heard of it. It's called The Experience Economy. And right before I was going to open up uh, Bespoke, um, I'm not the best reader, so I kind of skimmed, but <laughs> um, I got a lot of great insights from it. And it really talked about, um, if you don't want your business to become a commodity, then because what happens is if you become a commodity, then the consumer is always going to go with the lowest price. Yeah. You know, that's what, that's how Amazon won. If you're looking for a book, why not get it at the cheapest price you possibly can? Cause nothing is going to change whether you buy it from one company or from the other company. And if you are in the space of, of maybe that, isn't always apples to apples. Like for me, there's so much that goes into our product. It's hard to make our product a commodity, but still consumers don't know that. And they're always going to go with the right. lower price. So I had to really focus on how do I make it more of an experience for when a customer comes in and will customers take the time to experience our experience. Yeah. And they kind of shared a couple of great ideas and um, we both have daughters. So I'm sure we got sucked into build a bear workshop. Oh God. You know, you're going to spend, uh, you're going to walk out of there a hundred dollars where you probably could have got the teddy bear for $19 or cheaper at Walmart Seriously. or, or target. Yes. Um, but they were fantastic at building an experience. And I remember having birthday parties there for my daughters. And, and, um, so that was a great example of building experience. Yeah. And, um, and we try to do that now by having the client come in, we offer them a drink, you know, if they're not an alcohol drinker, then we have sodas and waters. We, have, we just brought in a little spa water now. Um, give them a drink, let them just relax. Um, the way we designed the store was trying to be a little bit more comfortable, um, have a little design aesthetic. But I think when you walk in, I, I hopefully, and I've heard this from clients is that they feel that we're genuine. Yeah. You know, I don't know if people have walked into stores, especially luxury stores, and you just feel like you can't touch anything. You feel like uh, maybe they're a little snobby. Um, yep. There's just a vibe that you get. And I worked very hard on trying to build an environment where you, you don't feel that way. Um, and then we're going to get to know you, talk to you, and we're going to take your measurements. And that's a very intimate uh, part, you know, we got to take your measurements. Some people, you know, they might go, Hey, I'm, I'm heavier than I've ever been, or, Hey, I'm going to, you know, so that's, 
we need to be sensitive around that part. But our goal is to to make a garment that fits them better than anything they can, and then go into designing that garment. So there is an experience from start to finish. Um, about four to five weeks later, that customer is going to come back and we have to do a second fitting. So we put the garment on them because we need to see how fabric is going to drape on their body after we took their measurements. Yeah. If you think about it, it's just fabric that's draped over a bumpy body. So we have to, we have to see how it, how it hangs. Yeah. Uh, I'm working on my own bumps, but, um, <laughs> But that's another experience point. And, and once we get that pattern down, then their pattern is as good as until they change. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so I, I have a question, and I'm interested to hear if you have an answer. <laughs> so, so when we talk about image, um, there's a lot of negativity that goes into that, mm -hmm. right? Um um, we talk about our girls and, and, and the challenges they face of, um, you know, seeing all these perfectly dressed, perfectly styled, um, mm -hmm. uh, people. And so, you know, that creates their own like distorted view of themselves, right? We could probably have conversations for hours mm -hmm. upon hours uh, of that. So like, so there's some negativity there. I think there's also, um, like when, when you think of nice things, high end things, a lot of times the ideas of greed mm -hmm. and money and so much comes like comes into play potentially. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like that, like, do you ever have to overcome that challenge with people or in the business or like you're at times probably running in circles yourself with very wealthy, very successful individuals. So maybe like in your own life, either the positive or negative effect of that. So like, do you, does that, does that become a challenge or do you run into that at all? You know, it's funny as I, not as much as uh, maybe you'd think mainly because again, I go back to your keyword that you've, you told me about even with your podcast is mindset. Yep. And I truly believe that the way that we've built Bespoke is that we're not all about selling the most expensive clothes. We're not all about the image or the false image um, that we're creating could be. What we're about is really creating genuine connections with our clients and through those connections, helping them um, just look a little bit better in their in their life. And, and some of that could be that they're actually very casual. Um, some people are moving away from wearing suits every day, maybe because of the images that portrays or their, their, their thing has, uh, or their life has changed. So um, I think it's through our, you know, again, going back to your own experience, whereas you walked in the store and, and, and we were just as happy to sell you um, our opening price point as, you know, as anything. Yeah. And, and I think uh, we connect and I think it, again, birds of a feather flock together. So I think, you know, the people that maybe are attracted to our brand or when they come into our brand, um, I'm hoping that there's a genuineness to them and we're genuine back. And so I think any kind of that negativity or they're not wearing clothes to be showy. Now, I don't know what people's lives are when they leave our store and maybe they walk around town being snobby in our clothes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that I don't know, but I just haven't seen that as okay. much. Um, and at, at the end of the day, 
we again going back to our mission is that we want to make clothes that puts them in that actually their clothes are an advantage for them. And mm-hmm. so I'll use one example is um, I was working with um, an Aflac. We had a really cool um, rewards um, deal where the regional director or whatever their title was, um, he wanted to reward his guys for hitting certain production levels. Oh, wow. And we did a big event at our store. And um, in talking with many of them, you know, they also are enrolling people into their program. And many times they're on site with their, uh, with specific companies. And in talking to them, many of the companies are very blue collar in nature, right? So they're, they're going into a plumbing, uh, manufacturer and, you know, getting their people enrolled in and wearing a suit is inappropriate. Right. And so it's like, Hey, let's have that dialogue of what is appropriate, you know, and, and wearing a suit or a sport coat or being, you know, dressed too much can be a disadvantage. Yeah. You know, you don't want to come in looking too sh- uh, sharp or too slick. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've all seen those slick, you know, people walk in and you're like, wait a minute. So again, that goes back to us really getting to know their business. Hey, look, suit's not appropriate. Why don't you wear a nice pair of jeans? Let's get a nice casual shirt you're going to tuck in. It can still be nice, yep. but the outfit's appropriate. Yep. And I think through that, um, we're reinforcing, uh, and there shouldn't be too many negatives, um, I think, about, you know, dressing to be showy. Yeah. Um, no, I, I mean, I think that's huge. I mean, as a business owner, but I think for anybody that is in sales, and in some way, I say almost everybody in an organization is, knowing your customer is so important. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate that you that you say that, right? It's not just knowing them, but it's knowing the clients they serve, mm-hmm. right? It's understanding the environments that mm-hmm. they're in. I mean, that stuff's so big because yeah, you know, you could try and hit a home run or something and sell them this super snazzy looking suit and they go out and look like a total idiot because mm-hmm. everybody else is in flip flops right. and, you know, tank tops. That doesn't do me any good you right. know, in the long run because our business is so word of mouth or yeah. also the compliments that they get many times fuels repurchase. Yeah. Um, and one tip to your listeners, um, I've told many clients this is just take an afternoon and, and maybe analyze every possible client interaction that you might have. Oh. And maybe just say, what would I wear if I met a client at the Bay Club? What would I wear if I was playing golf with a client? What would I wear if I bumped into a client at Home Depot? Doesn't mean you have to be so dressy, um, but we all bump into people at different times. Yeah. What would I wear if I was meeting a client for the very first time? And you can also drill down on types of clients. So, like I know, like for you, um, you have on your back wall certain industries, right? So, what would I wear if I was calling on? you know, fitness uh, gym owners, what would I call on or what would I wear if I was calling on financial advisors? So your wardrobe can be very thought out for very specific um, aspects of your life. And I kind of learned that actually from a defense attorney. And what he did is he literally um, thought out everything he was going to wear at every stage of a trial. And so for an example, if he knew his client was a bad guy or, and they were doing jury selection, then he wanted, he didn't want to come off as the slick defense attorney. No bright red suit. No bright red (laughs) suit. Yeah. Uh, No crazy ties. And he actually chose to wear brown and he would wear like a soft blue shirt and a very nondescript tie. And he wanted to almost mute himself and mute his message. 
And then you take that to opening, you know, statements. He had a different image and goal. And maybe if he was doing cross-examination of a witness, he literally thought of everything. And I had a chance to meet him pretty early on. And and I, and I use that all the time with a lot of my clients is helping them drill down on, Hey, let's analyze, you know, who you're calling on in every industry that you are. And and just make sure you have something um, that you think is a great, Fit, yeah. Fit, of course, we want that to be prominent, but also is supporting your brand and your image. Yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, that was gold. We could like <laughs> stop here because right there, right, yeah. like know your customer, serve your customer, and yeah. then that and then instruction. Know, know your and know your um, your situations. No, I mean that that is just so fantastic. <clears throat> um, okay, so um, you talk a lot about the experience you deliver, why you do it, right? We talked about kind of like your own upbringing and how that had some influence on it, but you hire employees. So you've got employees, Mm -hmm. uh, both kind of on the operation side of things, Mm -hmm. but also out selling for you. Mm -hmm. And then even you have, and you're going to have to let me know the title, but people out in the marketplace Mm -hmm. that also represent and sell bespoke clothing as well, right? Um, The bespoke experience, not Mm -hmm. clothing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so- how do you um, ingrain that similar belief mm-hmm. into them? Mm-hmm. Well, I think many times, and again, I don't know who said this. Someone, uh, it's an old classic term that says what the fish smells from the head down or something. And I'd heard something <laughs> like that. My grandfather said that or something. I don't know. But I, I think it just goes, for me, it's, it is modeling that every day. Yeah. Um, I think with my employees, I'd like to think that they feel that I'm very genuine, that I care about them. Um, so when we're in a situation and uh, maybe a client situation, and then they see me maybe care about the client. <clears throat> and what I mean by that is we all have situations in our business where, you know, we're going to have to eat something or there's going to be a loss involved. Um, for example, I mean, there's many times where um, I've made a garment and it wasn't right. Um, maybe the measurements were off. Uh, I've had situations where I typoed the fabric number and I get in this fabric in the suit and the guy's like, uh, or I noticed for sure that's not what the guy ordered. Uh. Or I've even had some situations, especially with technology. I had their order all set to go. I must've got a phone call. And then I never clicked the submit button. Oh. And so then, of course, the guy is six weeks in and he says, hey, where's my suit? And I go, uh. so one of the things I think I really learned early on uh, in those situations, and I think my employees see that because you know, we're also in an environment where I'm not behind a closed door and I'm not in an ivory tower. So all of... Uh, my employees can either hear what I'm doing, hear some of my conversations, see some of my client interactions. And then I also share some of these uh, situations so they can also learn from maybe what I went through. So well, in, in this one situation where I had not put the order in, number one, I owned it. Um, I didn't blame anyone else and it's humbling at times, Uh but I also believe that they saw that too. Um, And I just said, Hey, it was me. I got distracted. I never put the order in. Um, I know you're highly disappointed. Um, I would feel the same way and you should be. 
upset or disappointed. Um, but here's what I'm going to do. And I said, I'm going to make that suit for you and I'm going to make you another suit on me. And the guy was blown away. And I think, and he's been a great client ever since, but it cost me some money. And I think a lot of times business owners, uh, and we're not all perfect and I'm not saying that I'm perfect either, but I try to always number one, err on the side of the client. What's the best thing to do to keep a long-term focus on that client, right? Short-term, I'm going to lose some money because I'm making it up or I'm going to have to do something. Um, But what is that long-term? So again, I think my employees see that. I share stories like that. We We share success stories. We share failures. And I think we all kind of slowly see, hey, as a company, how are we going to handle this? Um, so that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I, 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 there was a lot again, a, a lot of, of of things to take away from that. I, I really appreciate that way of thinking, and I wish more people would own that because I, I remember um, I worked for a company, gosh, fifteen years ago or something like that, and we were importing product from overseas. It was being manufactured for us specifically. Mm-hmm. And there would be issues, whether the manufacturer was the problem, we made a mistake, somebody ordered the wrong part number, right? Whatever. And I was always taught to, to make up an excuse Mm. because it was such a high end sale that we didn't want to lose any money and we didn't want to lose the order. And so, and, and I was somewhat naive I was, um, I, I was pretty careless, you know, in it. I definitely don't think I had the character and nature that I have today. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, by the grace mm-hmm. of God, not my own doing. <laughs> um, but um, I was literally taught to just lie, mm. you know, and not that we need to be taught to lie, but in, in that specific scenario, mm-hmm. I was. And that was a hard thing to learn to stop doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember it was probably not for... 10 more years or something like that, uh, where, um, uh, a tangent not worth having, but I came to faith and I, I believe that I have this new manner in which I need to like live my life, but then operate as a business professional. And I remember the first time I'll distinctly remember I had the opportunity to lie and it was to my boss. It wasn't even to a client Mm. and I just had to be honest. And it was so free. I still got in a lot of trouble, but because of the mistake that I had made, but I, it was so freeing. Mm-hmm. And so now still to this day, like I catch myself every once in a while, like, oh, I sent that email mm-hmm. and I really, and I'm like, right. no, I didn't, right. you know? So, so I've got to be able to like catch yeah. myself and be honest. Yeah. And so I love that. Well, it's kind of like the same mindset again, the keyword today of, you know, what I also hear about, um, people that are um, addicted, let's yeah. say, to alcohol. And they say every day they have to make those same choices to not drink or drink. And in a small way, it's kind of connected in the way that – because it's so easy to either lie or blame people. And, and again, I'm not perfect. And I have to have those same – uh, conversations in my head when I'm faced with a situation, you know, uh, probably our nature 
is to be defensive or to blame something else or to blame the situation versus taking ownership. And every day when I have a situation like this, in the back of my brain, my brain, my rat brain or whatever says, uh, how do, can I get out of that? Right? <laughs> yeah, or, yeah. or how do I save face? Yeah. Or how do I protect the brand or whatever? And I always go back that the, our brand is really our clients' relationships with us. And so, you know, I have to recalibrate and go, okay, I always try to wait a little bit before I reach out to a client in these situations. I remember having a client say, because I had made up an excuse, and the client says, I don't do business with your vendor. I don't write them a check. I'm writing you a check and I expect getting f what I want from you, right? Yep. In a timely basis. And he said, Hey, if things go well, that's expected, right? Um, the mark, and he was good. He didn't do it in a way he wanted to kind of probably teach me a lesson. He says, um, Look, in every business, mistakes happen. He goes, In my business, mistakes constantly happen. And um, if you just own it, most people are going to relate and probably be impressed that you owned it. Yep. Second of all, don't own it by itself. Own it with maybe a solution or some sort of, of way to make the situation better. Yep. Um, turning those lemons you've heard into lemonade. Yep. Um, and, I, and I use that even today as like, okay, how do I take this lemon situation and turn it into lemonade? That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Okay. So um, I want to make sure that I take advantage of you being here <laughs> with some tips because mm. I think I think uh, that can be helpful. Sure. So um, what what do you think are – and I, I, I know this is going to be a challenge because, again, every situation is different. Sure. But it like, can be general. What, what are some of the like – big keys as people are dressing and styling themselves. Like I want to look good. I mm -hmm. want to look the part. What are some mm -hmm. key things? Um, whether that be, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. gonna let you go first that, that people should. Do. Well, I think step one is definitely think about who you are, right? So step one, I would say, okay, this is what I think my brand is. And I'll give you a small example. So I was meeting with a company. They're in the real estate world. And this is right when dressing down became very popular. And I talked to the owners and they said, hey, look, we do a kind of a high-end residential, uh, like big residential towers. They're in this big space. Um, we want to be different than everybody else. Um, everybody's going casual. We're going to have our guys wear suits, casual Fridays, but Monday through Thursday, we're going to wear suits, but we're wearing suits for a purpose. We want to show our clients how much we care about them, how much we respect them, um, how much they um, can depend on us. And these were all little things that they felt their image reinforced their brand. Wow. Um, and they wanted to be that way. And literally Monday through Thursday, they were wearing suits and Fridays it was a sport coat, casual kind of look. And I asked him, Hey, did you ever get pushback from your clients or whatever? He goes, Oh yeah. Many times clients might say, you don't have to wear that when we have our meetings. And he said, yeah, we do because this is why. And the client like sat back in his chair and goes, yeah, that's right. I hire you because of all that. Wow. And it was, and they turned it from maybe being a, a, a negative to being a brand extension. So going back to that, Hey, what do you, what, what industry are you in? What do you want your clothes to say about you? Yeah. Um, and, and make those notes. 
uh, once you get to those notes, then, hey, if you're going to wear uh, suits, I would focus in on maybe just getting the core basics. Um, I can quickly say it's navy solid, navy pattern, charcoal solid, uh, gray, medium gray or charcoal pattern, um, for sure black. Um, Are and people ma- wearing bla- a lot of black suits? Well, again, if you're building a wardrobe, black suit could be more for like uh, evening type okay. of events. Um, remember, your brand exists outside of work, right? So remember I told you, what, what if you bumped into a client at Home Depot, right? Yeah. Like I remember I was like sloppily dressed one day when I went into – I don't actually, even believe it. It was bad uh, in the Sprouts one day and I bumped into a client. I was like, oh my God, he's seen me wearing this. Uh, it, was, yeah, it was like ratty board shorts and you know, probably a Guns N' Roses t-shirt or something. Oh, I'm like, oh my awesome. God. But uh, And again, it doesn't mean you have to wear a suit to those items. But, yeah. I'm wearing. I'm gonna start wearing my suit to there Home Depot. Go, yeah. I'm gonna attract another yeah. client or two. Um, but but the core basics are. But uh, I'm sorry. Going back to black. Yeah. Um, black's great for you know as clients kind of um, get invited to different things, uh, or clients might invite you to different things. Like say social events, um, black tie. Um, a lot of people are doing charity. Um, so there's charity events. Okay. Um, so black suits great for that. One way to also take a black suit from looking like you're going to a funeral <laughs> is not always wear a white shirt with the black. Yeah. So wear lavender with the black, wear light blue, wear maybe a pattern shirt, check shirt. It's also great about what we try to do is with your clothes, you can break them up and wear them as separates. So a black suit, you could easily wear the black jacket as a sport coat open collar shirt, maybe wear it with jeans. And then it takes that formality, takes that kind of funeral look away. Yeah. Um, but those are some of the basics. Um, definitely. I mean, women will tell you all the time, invest in great shoes. Um, shoes can kind of make or break an outfit. It's kind of like buying a new car and you're going to put your old wheels and tires on, right? You're not gonna brown shoes and black suits. Um, I prefer, well, if we're staying with black, I would either go with maybe like a dark walnut, um, oh. then that light, light, uh, tan could be a little bit too much contrast again, in my opinion. Yep. Um, it's funny when I went to Italy, now a lot of people are wearing black, but I went to Italy and noticed that a lot of people were wearing brown shoes during the day. Um, and there's two reasons for that. Brown uh, shoes with black pants. Right. Wow. With black. Um, but it was like a darker, it was like a walnut, yeah. uh, or like a chocolate brown. Okay. Um, but when I started talking to some of the uh, vendors in Italy, they had said that many of the shades of brown are great during the day for two reasons. One, the patina. Okay, so if you think about when you buy a brown shoe, it's got this beautiful kind of patina to it. But when you go to get it polished again, the patina just keeps looking a little richer and a little bit more elegant. Um, what they found is when you take a black shoe and you polish it, yeah, it looks a little shiny, but it doesn't have that same richness that a brown shoe does yeah. once you get it polished. So their mindset was, and again, everybody's different, but their mindset was um, brown shoes kind of during the day and maybe save your black shoes for either uh, like maybe an evening event or more formal events okay. um, type of thing. So that could be a little tip. Um, I think if you're in today's business casual environment, I think a sport coat is great. Uh, it's a great way to kind of separate yourself from the um, 
kind of polo shirt guy, right? Yeah. So if you're both in the same industry. You're looking at me right now wearing a golf shirt. Well, you're, <laughs> you're in your office here too. But if you're calling on a client, you know, and, yep. and you show up with a logoed golf shirt, that's great, right? It could be great. But put yourself in the mind, uh, in the place of the client. Yep. And again, doesn't mean you have to wear a suit, but imagine you're wearing, even if it's just a simple navy blazer, nice open collar shirt. You know, nowadays, some of the jeans out there um, can be very dressy. Uh, plug for one of our vendors is Page Denim. It's a four-way stretch jean, but they have a couple pairs of jeans where it doesn't have the contrast stitching. Yeah. I'm actually wearing a pay- pair today. So am I. So are you. So it makes you look like you're not wearing jeans because it doesn't have that contrast yeah. stitch. So you can transition that into a work ah, environment. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. They make, uh, they make about three different shades, dark navy, a black, um, and kind of like a charcoal. I feel like I'm wearing heaven when I'm wearing those jeans. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You can sleep in them. Oh my God. Like, like pajamas. Real. Yeah. They really are. Yeah. It's pretty. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't ever want to wear any other jeans. That's the problem. Know. They're, they're what fantastic. You did? Well, my wife it was Paige, but yeah. <laughs> she did it. She did yeah. it. Okay. Um, and I, I know your answer here, but like how important is fit? Well, fit's great. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story. So when I first started in this industry, I couldn't afford my own clothes. If you think about it, you know, at the time, now prices have come down since Wait, I- Wait, when you started Bespoke? Well, not Bespoke, but when I started oh, okay, in the yeah, industry. Yeah, you, okay. Right. So when I first started in this industry, it was 1993. So I'm an old timer. <laughs> uh, and I couldn't afford my own their own clothes. Their, uh, at that time in 1993, uh, pricing was a lot more expensive. Um, so it was probably, you know, um, 1500 on up for a custom suit. Prices have come down a lot since then, but at opening range, it was probably $1,500. So typically I would have to pay the cost on that. And yeah. I just couldn't afford it. I was coming out of college and all those things. So, um, but the owner of the company at the time um, was very smart. And of course, they said, hey, look, fits everything. Um, so what I did, I actually went to Macy's and they had a, this crazy sale. And I had bought two or three suits and brought them to a great tailor. And they tailored them up to make make them fit me fantastically. Um, so again, if you can't afford it right away, great tip is find an amazing tailor. Find a tailor that you know can shorten the sleeves right, can take in the jacket. Yeah. Um, and make sure the challenge too is getting quality help. So, you know, I've seen clients come in and they bought maybe something at a a retailer and the salesperson put them into a regular fit when they should have been in a short fit. So there's things that we, a tailor can't do too. You can't shorten a jacket if it's too long, but if you can find the right things, then find a great tailor, have your shirts taken in if they're too baggy or blousey, because many shirts off the rack have one fit. And sometimes even the slim fit can even be a little big on different people's bodies. I don't even, I I don't even believe those anymore. I feel like to make me feel good, like the public, they just, they are calling slim fits Mm -hmm. Like, or they're calling regular fit slim fits yeah. now. And then you see like extra slim and I'm, yeah. I put these things on and I'm not like a skinny guy. And yet I put on a slim fit shirt a lot of the time that is supposed to fit me at least sleeve and neck fit me pretty good. Yeah. And it's like twice around my waist, you know, it's yeah. crazy or, you know, like around my midsection, it's terrible. Well, it's so hard. If you think about it as a, a retailer has to kind of have a shotgun approach yeah. to what they buy and the fit is kind of a shotgun, right? They, there's kind of statistics statistics on 
um, you know, the right size, let's say for a 16 and a half. Right. And so, um, they're going to try to create this wide spectrum that the majority of people are going to fit that. And that's where we're a little bit different with like a sniper rifle where we can make something specifically for a client. But going back to your tips, find a tailor is, is one of the best tips ever. Um, again, look at everything you have. You could have your, I've seen clients where their jeans are a little too long, Mm -hmm. right? Shortening an inch, um, can make a, a world of change to the overall look. Um, same thing with jacket length, sleeve length, take it in. So that is if people don't, and again, I didn't have the money back then. Yeah. What I did do is, um, because the suit has always been the biggest uh, expense in a man's wardrobe typically, and still is. Um, so get those suits, maybe off the rack, find a tailor that tailor them up. But then what I did was I invested in custom shirts um, uh, really nice uh, accessories. So again, back then everybody was wearing ties. So I made sure my ties were, you know, first class. I put in a pocket square, uh, great socks and shoes. And that's a great way to build a wardrobe at a lot lower cost. Again, if someone doesn't have the money to buy a custom suit right yeah. out of the gate, because nowadays, you know, suits still probably going to be around a thousand dollars. Yes. And that. So yeah. that's a great tip. Okay. Um, and you always got to have good socks, right? Well, it's funny though. The sock and pocket square and a pocket square, if you don't know, guys, is if you put <laughs> it inside the breast pocket of a jacket. Yeah. Um, but if a lot of people were casual and not even wearing jackets, it's like the fancy sock turned into the tie yeah. of the 80s. Um, so guys, you know, have slowly turned into um, being sock connoisseurs. And I don't know how many people are into it, but also in the underwear market, um, again, um, in our world, men are usually slower adopters yeah. and as you know, certain things becoming a lot more acceptable. So there's brands. Now we carry a brand called Saks two under there's Tommy John, which you might've heard there on the radio all the time, but they've created underwear that's, you know, super crazy patterns, yeah. but also have a little performance aspects yeah. to them. Um, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around like fifty or sixty dollars for a pair of underwear, though. Well, yeah, but they you get can pretty crazy. about. Th- uh, I think if I look at what we sell, I think sacks are around thirty, thirty-two, um, but they can get that high again yeah. depending on the brands. So underwear, yeah. We never know where the end is. That's right. <laughs> we're, again, we're trying to change the world one better dressed man at a time, right? I love so, it. I love even it. Even in your undies. Even in your undies. Okay. I think <laughs> underwear is a great place <laughs> to leave off. <laughs> um, I, I so appreciate you know everything that you've said. I think there's just been so many phenomenal nuggets to take away. Um, uh, sometimes I think we talked about this before, you know, I have, I have some kind of questions that I think I'm going to ask. Uh, and you answered so many questions that I would typically ask people. And I think just provided such benefit, um, to people that are running a business mm-hmm. that are out in the world selling, um, you know, doing so many things, uh, not just from the stylistic perspective, which are so huge, but even just behaviorally. And, mm-hmm. you know, we talked a lot about mindset, you know, having mm-hmm. the right mindset to do that. Mm-hmm. So, um, I hope everybody that's listening, uh, and then some, uh, is now dying to check out the bespoke experience. <laughs> so what are some of the good ways I'll link them in the show notes too, but what are some good sure. ways for people to get in touch with you, get, mm-hmm. get a kind of an idea of the brand before they sure. step into the showroom? Um, it's easy cause both our Instagram, Facebook and website are the same. 
uh, is bespoke style. So it's B S P O K E the word style.com for our website. And that's our username for Instagram and Facebook. One little story about why the word bespoke. Now the historical spelling is B E S P O K E. Now back in the days, back when they didn't have guys like me running around all over, um, you would go to a specific tailor shop and this word kind of came out of old world England. So back then, if you remember, they also spoke a little differently, right? They, there's a lot of these and thous and, and uh, old English that never has really uh, converted into how we speak now. Yep. But back then, Ryan Miller walks into a tailor shop in Savile Row. He finds a bolt of fabric because back then they carried all the fabric there. They didn't order it and have it shipped. So they would bring out a bolt of fabric and you decide that you want that on the little ticket or little note. They would write, um, this has been bespoken for Ryan Miller. No way. Yes. And so back then you could bespeak for something or you would say, Hey, that's mine. Or it had a connotation to of that. Wow. And so over time, bespoken for got shortened to bespoke. And then as words do evolve, it kind of turned into a verb or even an adjective yeah. uh, describing the process. Um, so of having something made custom. Um, so I took, found that word, obviously I had heard it forever. <clears throat> if you happen to walk into, or I'm sorry, if you're in Europe and someone goes, Hey, that's a beautiful looking suit. They might say, yeah, it's bespoke. It doesn't mean it's mine. I made it. It's bespoke. It's just almost like Kleenex has turned into Got it. or Xerox or I Google it or Google it. Right. And you could have used Firefox, but yeah. you said you Googled it. Right. So same thing. Uh, funny story on that. I had a my wife get a call from a friend, and they said, "Oh my God, I was reading People magazine, and it said Hugh Jackman had a bespoke suit. Great job, congratulations!" <laughs> yeah, and I was so like, "Oh my God, I wish that would have happened. It yeah. wasn't mine, but it was that general term." Yes, um, I couldn't uh, get that as a domain name, so I basically just took the e out. Yeah. Uh, replaced it with a period. Now, obviously, on domain names, you don't use a period, but the spelling is B-S-P-O-K-E. Um, and many pe people, in a way, have taken that word bespoke and its traditional spelling and made it an adjective to their business. Yeah. So there's like bespoke mortgage. There's bespoke capital. I think what you do is you're creating, in a way, bespoke um, coaching plans for your clients, right? Because if you think about every client that you deal with has a, their own sets of goals, their own sets of limitations, and you're creating a bespoke success plan for them. Yeah. Um, and that's how people are starting to use the word bespoke. So in America, it's becoming a little bit more and more used. Yeah. Back in the day, we just said custom. Yeah. Right? It's yeah, a custom yeah. suit. It's a custom shirt. And we still use that word. Yeah. But Anyway, if people want to know, that's where the word came from. That's awesome. All right. So Bespoke Style, check them out. The interwebs, Facebook, go to Instagram. You're going to get so excited about all the cool stuff you're sharing. You're going to want to get in the showroom, but they got to get in the showroom, right? I mean, like you go there, the game changes. So on that note, I'm piped. I'm going to have to, before you leave here, 
figure out a way to get some more shirts for sure. <laughs> Maybe a sport coat. Yes. Uh, and uh, yeah, for anybody else out there, hit Dave up. Hit me up if you uh, want a, a direct introduction to him. I'd be happy to do that. Thanks, Dave, so much. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, tons of nuggets that I'm going to go back and listen to, and I'm going to take away too. Sweet. So with that, another episode of Excellence Mindset is in the books. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Excellence Mindset with Ryan James Miller. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe. And for more great content and to stay up to date, visit ryanjamesmiller.com. We'll catch you next time.